Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. For Monday, August the 9th, I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about what happens when you push instead of pull. Well, this past week, the U.S. pushed China. We already have a situation where China and Russia have allied against the U.S.-dominated view of the global economy. We often worry about companies like Amazon having too much information about our collective and individual behavior by virtue of knowing what we buy, when we buy, how often, and at what price. Imagine for a moment that instead of Amazon having that information, it's the Chinese Communist Party. Does that sound far-fetched? Well, in the next few minutes, I'm going to outline a scenario whereby an extraordinary amount of the economic activity around the world falls under CCP direct observation and control. Let's imagine for a moment that the U.S. dollar experiences inflation. That's not very far-fetched. We're talking the kind of inflation that's hard to shake. The U.S. has a massive trade deficit with foreign countries, thinking specifically of countries like Korea, Japan, and China. So far, Japan is happy to own U.S. treasuries, and they are the largest foreign holder of this paper by far. China has been reducing its holdings of U.S. treasuries steadily over the past few years. Eventually, we may reach a point where China says, we don't want your monopoly money any longer. It's being devalued too quickly, and we don't accept to be paid in dollars that are worthless. For now, the world's commodities are priced in U.S. dollars, and anyone who wants to buy those commodities has to figure out how to get their hands on U.S. dollars. But if you're on the U.S. government's bad actor list, and you're not allowed to play in that international community and use U.S. dollars while you're out of luck, you've got to seek some other currency in which to transact. We've also seen that many internationally traded finished products are also traded in U.S. dollars. But imagine for a moment if Home Depot, purchasing ceramic sinks made in China, had to pay for them in renminbi or yuan instead of U.S. dollars. What if Lowe's purchasing door hinges made in China had to pay for them in yuan instead of dollars? China could say, we've got the products. It's up to you to figure out how to pay for them. But what if the transaction were not in yuan but in digital yuan under the watchful eye of the Chinese central bank. What if you're an American company that set up your own manufacturing arrangement in mainland China or perhaps Taiwan? Maybe your company is Cisco and you're having Linksys branded routers manufactured by a company named Cameo, a company that you probably never heard of before, but they perform contract manufacturing. Imagine for a moment those transactions within your own company now need to be denominated in digital yuan in order for you to ship products within your own company from China to the U.S. If this is sounding far-fetched, understand it's all it would take is a single directive from the Chinese Communist Party to instruct Chinese companies only to do business in yuan. Now, it's not likely to happen all in one day. This is probably going to take a series of decisions that progressively affect larger and larger sectors of commerce over a period of time. Understand that digital currency gives the issuer of that currency an extraordinary amount of power. They have the power that comes with the information gathered over tens of billions of transactions. By following the flow of money, they can collect information about specific markets in a way that no one else can. But since Chinese companies also have a component of government ownership, there's nothing stopping the Chinese government from using that information for the benefit of those Chinese companies to enhance their competitive standing in the global economy. Let's imagine for a moment that China convinces less than a dozen countries to trade with them in yuan instead of U.S. dollars. They already have that arrangement with Russia and with Saudi Arabia. If India agrees on a broad basis to trade in yuan, then Pakistan, Bangladesh, Indonesia, they're all likely to fall in line. If Brazil agrees, then a few South American countries could come along for the ride. 
at a few African countries that have used China as a source of infrastructure funding, and then with only a dozen countries, you would have more than 50% of the world's population trading in yuan instead of U.S. dollars. So far, the U.S. has been successful in exporting its inflation because the holders of those excess U.S. dollars have been willing to buy U.S. treasuries as a place to keep their excess U.S. cash. But what happens when they don't need or want those dollars anymore? Who will buy those treasuries? Prices for those bonds will fall, which means the actual market interest rate associated with those debt instruments will rise. Will the buyer be the Federal Reserve if there aren't enough buyers in the open market? Will the Fed be the one to rescue the U.S. economy from hyperinflation by artificially holding those treasuries on their balance sheet? It's possible, I suppose, but I'm not sure that's going to be enough to prop up the economy and hold interest rates low enough to prevent the U.S. from sliding into a debt trap from which there's no escape. And for that reason, I think it's imperative the U.S. gets its inflation under control or risk falling off a cliff of confidence in the international currency markets and thereby losing its global reserve currency status. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.